0: Hello, welcome to Chapter Three Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is season three, episode fourteen, and today we're discussing the next book in the Witcher series, *The Tower of Swallows* by Andrzej Sapkowski. And of course, if you want to toss a coin to your podcasters, you can join us on Patreon or channel memberships for access to exclusive bonus content with each episode. And for this episode's bonus content, we're going to be talking about. Portal fantasy, which Liana is not really a fan of, but there are portals in this book, so it's related. It should be fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: portal fantasy. Yes, not. not yeah. a, I mean, I don't think there's a single thing that I would say that I like hate 100 of the time. But you know, mm-hmm. it's not something I tend to like.
0: Not a go-to for you. Fair enough. <laughs> so we'll be discussing that for our bonus concept. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Tower of Swallows I'm still what did you rate it I feel like these are all getting the same rating for me mostly four stars
1: okay so the first time I read it I gave it three stars and this time I gave it four everything else has uh I think a five from me
0: yeah, most of them have been four for me. I do feel like though it's partly because I'm reading it closely and taking notes
1: for the podcast because otherwise I would just you lose had track. you had warnings that I didn't have. yeah. so like I warned myself on the second time through. So like mm-hmm. I because like I remembered it actually being worse than it was. Um so like because I went in this time being like remembering how annoyed I was at like the kind of like all over the placeness of it. That yeah. this time I was like, you know, it's kind of like when I read, um, reread Feast for Crows by George R. R. Martin. The first time I read Feast for Crows, I was like, what? <laughs> and then I remembered it just being the worst. And so then when we did our like read along and I reread Feast for Crows, I was like, you know what? Actually, like this book is pretty great. It's like, you know what? I actually, not me, not maybe my favorite, but like close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I knew what it was and what it wasn't. Um, so I wasn't like,
0: expecting yeah, give. I think I probably did better with it because I did know going in to expect that. And I was like, this isn't too bad. Like there were some sections where I was like, okay, why are we talking (laughs) about the economics and politics of this random little city? Well, if you enjoyed
1: that, get ready for so much more of that in Lady
0: of the Lake. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) But I feel like it did. I could see where he was going with it even when it got, and it wasn't frequent that he
1: did it to that extent. Yeah, I mean, it's more frequent than a reader might expect if they're not expecting it at all. <laughs> true.
0: Very true. And I do think, too, if I hadn't been reading it so closely and taking notes for the podcast, I would have been like, what is happening? Like, it, I think that helped me follow his through line better than I would have with a casual reading of this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I still all- think
1: that, like yeah so like having read the series before now rereading it kind of like knowing how he's going to be pacing and structuring things mm-hmm. so like i'm not it's not like the emotional reaction of seeing that and being frustrated with it. it's more like okay so like i know it's going to be that so like get ready for that and then like think about like why it's like that or, or something like that you know where it's because like the first ex- experience with a movie with a song with with a book is like more you're like vibing your way through it and mm-hmm. then second third fourth seventh time you're like it's like or like going through I think I usually use the comparison of like going on like a dark ride at like Disneyland or something where the first time it's just like oh the story and the animatronics wow and then like the 50th time on the ride you're like that's how they do that over there and I can see the wall behind that one and like now you're like seeing that stuff so yeah, yeah like I yeah I definitely like tried to pay attention more to like the now that I know he's paced it like this, if I was Andreas Zabkowski, like, what did, why am I pacing it like this?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here, but I like I think the thing I figured out, which I think helped me, helped kind of carry me through it that I figured out pretty quickly is like everything is centered on what happened on the equinox. Like, that's like pretty much the majority of the book is is what happened on the equinox what led up to it what happened after it what does it mean what happened with Siri? like that's
1: of course i don't know what it's like in polish so like part of it could be like um like translation has some bearing on like how clear Mm -hmm. something feels or how consistent something feels but um it's let me wait a few seconds so that we're at least five minutes into the podcast are we about to get an abercrombie
0: reference abercrombie
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but um because like you said like um not not the whole of the book but a lot of the book is this kind of like um the equinox being like mm-hmm. this like a linchpin like thing around which things are revolving and then you're right. like seeing different perspectives on that and like Abercrombie does a similar thing quite frequently where like an event is seen through multiple perspectives or like a battle is seen through like um uh a like domino of perspectives and mm-hmm. like he's really good at kind of like making you feel like i under like visually seeing like this is the thing and ever we're seeing everything around it whereas here like if you're paying attention you're like okay so like everything kind of revolves around the equinox but it's not this like this like very obviously like a sensing like that i am revolving around the equinox you know we're like i think he he handles better again maybe in polish it's clearer, but in abercrombie's books like you're i don't know i don't think it's a thing of subtlety i think it's just like narrative clarity i don't know
0: well also i feel like when abercrombie does that it's in a constrained part of the book it's not usually the entire thing whereas i feel like for tower of swallows pretty much the almost the entire novel is that's that's kind of the linchpin that's the thing that's connecting it um but yeah it's i mean i enjoyed it Well, obviously, I gave it four stars. I still, I still mostly enjoyed it. Aside from the one chapter where it started with, I was like, "Why? I don't care about this small city and their economics and politics. Why do we need this like lengthy?"
1: Well, here also, so like both George R. R. Martin and Andrzej Sapkowski are extremely undisciplined with like how many perspectives they're going to be giving you. They just like keep adding them if and when needed. Yes, and I do appreciate that Joe Abercrombie like works within the like limitations that he sets for himself or he's like these are my perspectives and there will be no other perspectives these are that
0: right. and so
1: then like when that that means that like these perspectives have to be able to tell you this story um and have to find a way to do it and so then i appreciate that like it helps with scope creep and it helps mm. you to, like, have to find more organic ways of delivering information instead of, like, let me just randomly show you this other scene with other people who you won't yes. see again, just so you can learn about this world of thing. Like, it's it's harder to, like, have to come up with a way for the characters you've chosen to find out this information that doesn't feel like, hey, person on the road, I've come to deliver some exposition to you. Um, right. So, like, yeah. I think that well, it would yeah. benefit from, like, have, like, forcing yourself to, like. Like a lot of, yeah, like a lot of the stuff that's like this like tangential, like off we go over here to learn this thing now. Like I understand what bearing it has on the world and like vaguely why I would need to know about it when I am following the stories of my main characters. I just, I would like an author to like force themselves to find a way to make our main characters be the ones who have eyes on this for us or find this out or are near enough to it where you could figure this out instead of just being like, they don't have it. So we're just going to go over here for a second to people that you don't care about. I've never seen before and won't ever see again. And it's like,
0: "Mm." well, it's cheating. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. I also think though that some of it is authors needing to be a little more disciplined about the fact that not everything that they find interesting or helpful about the world, the reader is going to find interesting or helpful. And so sometimes we get these lengthy pieces of exposition where I'm like, okay, you could have condensed this into a few sentences that would have given us the the basics of what we actually need to know what you're trying to convey. The rest of it, like that's great for you. Put it in an appendix somewhere.
1: Or honestly footnotes. Or footnotes. Like I think yeah. that the Witcher series like would actually, yeah, especially if a footnote functions in a way where like it is skippable. So mm-hmm. that like, if someone is like, I don't care about this, that they yeah. could just not read the footnote. But if people who do care about the world of stuff can read the footnote.
0: I would be much more into this story using footnotes. Yeah. And I like footnotes. So I'd probably be more interested in it if it was structured that way, honestly, than I am when it's in text like this. So yes, exactly. Info dump side quest syndrome, Matt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That is exactly it. Oh my goodness. So there was there was a lot that happened in this
1: book. Well for me too the second time around, um, like, aside from just generally kind of knowing better what to expect, um, so like obviously the pacing and the side questing and the info dumping and stuff like that is stuff that was like, mm-hmm. okay, I know it's gonna be like that, so just just get ready for that. But also, as we talked about before, I forget on, it wasn't last time, but whenever we talked about it, mm-hmm. about how, like, the realization that he's writing about the Soviet Union, basically, in Nilfgaard. And so there's, yeah. like, so many times now, ever since I realized that, that, like, that's the lens through which I'm now viewing a lot of stuff in the series, which I never did the first time I read it. Because mm-hmm. um, I was a poor summer child that didn't know that that's what he was writing about. <laughs> didn't think about that. Um so like stuff like, th- I think there were so many times in Tower of Swallows that like maybe that's even why I bumped it up to four stars. It wasn't even that I, it was a little bit that I knew what to expect and that like mm-hmm. I knew to not expect it to be tight and to be Geralt focused and all those kinds of things. But also I-, I think I found more interesting a lot of the asides because now instead of reading it as a story, I was like reading it as like um, an allegory and I was like interested to like try to parse his like views about the real world through that.
0: Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that as being interested, interesting. I feel like I, I took in less of it just because it was my first time reading it. So I see pieces of that, but there was so much else I was trying to keep track of. I don't know that that was the main thing I was focused on. Um, The one of the, oh, okay. Maybe I should save this for later, but there's a thing that happens kind of toward the end with Geralt and series characters that I think is particularly interesting in this book going forward, but I don't know where we want to start with this conversation because it's pretty early.
1: Well, are we doing non spoilers still or no or I guess
0: so. I don't it's also hard to know like what's a spoiler in this
1: I mean, I think we usually if we do non spoilers like ten or fifteen minutes. So like we can move into spoilers and then I guess Unless there's like a thematic way to go through this, then the most, the easiest is just to go chronologically and then address themes as they come up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, We've got, well, obviously throughout it, we have the whole swallows and the tower of swallows. Which interestingly,
1: um, the English American version is a mistranslation by having it swallows plural. And that every other translation, including the British English translation is the tower of the swallow. Because the the swallow is, like, a symbol for a person. And so, like, it being plural in English is, in American English, is, like, it's wrong.
0: (laughs) That makes a lot more sense because the swallow is Siri from, obviously. Um, But even in chapter one, we get this random side story that didn't make a ton of sense to me, but about a raven and a swallow. And, like, that's kind of setting the stage for us continuing to get the reoccurring sort of theme i don't know who like is visigoda supposed to be the raven is it gerald like does it matter i don't know it's unclear to
1: me i don't know slash remember i'm not very good at like reading so like okay so i already didn't notice that it was about the soviet union the first time which i think is fairly obvious once you know to look for it and that's like kind of like the general book kind of generally being about that but when it comes to like actually like um, this, like, some character sings a song about, you know, red berries on a tree and clearly this is a symbol for blah, blah, blah. Never, mm-hmm. literally ever do I understand that kind of, like, okay, imagery enough. symbolism or people will be like, yeah. well, they were wearing white in this scene and that's a representation of them. Just like, uh, that sounds great. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> nope, <laughs> would never.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Raven is supposed to be significant. I'm just not a hundred percent sure who it's supposed to represent. It could be a few different things. But
1: well, I think okay, trying to think back, I think the most obvious I'm trying to remember how the story went too, which is hazy for me. But um the what's his name? The the Nilf Guardian that like rescues slash kidnaps her the oh. beginning that he has nightmares about has black feathers on his um mm-hmm. helmet and she's like that she has like cre- frequent nightmares about that. That's a good point. Oh, that's interesting. I can do symbols sometimes. Yeah. Look at you. I also might be completely wrong,
0: but like (laughs) I spotted a connection. I mean, you definitely might be right. Yeah. It's
1: It's a a definite maybe. maybe.
0: It's (laughs) a definite maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah there's but she's sort of the like it's representative of spring i guess because swallows are probably a spring bird is that like i'm I'm assuming that that's the case i live in los angeles i know like we know but (laughs) but (laughs) i'm guessing yeah but they keep saying it's like the child of the elden blood a symbol of spring so i'm like i'm guessing a swallow is a bird that comes to poland in springtime and that's why um yeah and there's this
1: whole like in general i mean birds, migratory birds, are like heralds of spring. Spring, right. Yes. Like not just swallows. Yeah, so like yeah, if yeah. swallows, well we know swallows are a migratory bird thanks to Monty Python, so swallows would be heralds of spring.
0: They would. I think Monty like Python a, is education. Yes, this would be a, If 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 this was written by an American, it would probably be the Tower of the Robin. Sure. You know, something like that. Um, oh, I love this! It's all the practice plan I got with Book of the New Sun with the symbolism. <laughs> True story. Uh, yeah, that, that was hard.
1: Yeah. Why do you think my? Well, I shouldn't say what my theory. I guess my theory is not very really spoilery. Why do you think my theory for Book of the New Sun is that he's just that he's just crazy? <laughs> no symbols. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Um,
0: I think. Okay, so with the spring thing, right? We have this so throughout the story, it's centering on the equinox, which is fall, and it's cold and colder than it's ever been, and they're gearing up for this harsh winter. But then Siri is the symbol of Because of climate change and is rebirth. a big
1: thing in in this world.
0: Right. But then Siri is gonna be the symbol of like rebirth and springtime, and that's kind of what we're moving towards. So it's interesting, like the sort of like cold ice. Versus spring and warmth. That's that's interesting. Oh, this is interesting. With like a, a comment saying, "Swallows return every year to San Juan Capistrano, and there's a whole festival around it." Oh, that is that is interesting.
1: Huh. But yeah, I mean, I already compared it to Song of Ice and Fire. So interestingly, also Song of Ice and Fire has a lot of climate change narrative. So yeah, they were written around the same time too. I guess that makes sense.
0: Yeah. There is there is quite a lot of that. Let's see. We have also a comment. Swallow is the translation of Siri's elder speech name zerial Okay. Which that tracks as well.
1: Yeah, Siri. I mean, that's why Siri will say, you know, that the swallow is me. It's my name. It's right. Yeah. Yep.
0: That makes sense. Um. So we've got right, the wild hunt takes place. On the equinox, not that we get that much information around that, but like, also, is that spoilery? I guess that's.
1: I think we're. Can we go spoilers? Little... Let's. Okay. We're... All right. Cool. People are here. I assume. It's okay. They read it.
0: I think we're good. So, because the wild hunt happens on the equinox, which I think of as like this, almost like spirit fairy type thing. We don't get a lot of detail on it, but then the equinox is also when Siri kind of goes on a wild hunt with like taking down all of these people who were like trying to keep her like like had her prisoner and everything
1: at the end. Right? Yeah yeah I was just, sorry I was, got distracted by comments for a second um, oh. I thought you were still talking about the beginning I was like wait no that's definitely not in the beginning <laughs> wait what
0: <laughs> no 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 it's like we, well like the very very beginning of the book is talking about the wild hunt on the equinox and then at the end we kind of come full circle to like Ciri being at the center revenge. of revenge. yes revenge we have a lot of her getting revenge
1: this was basically Andrzej Sapkowski's best served cult yeah
0: yeah yeah um, And she gets a rose tattoo.
1: In a that's, lovely
0: place. That's a whole thing because her little girlfriend got one.
1: Mm-hmm. In a particular place. Uh-huh. <laughs> Much is made of that. I don't know. What I mean, the- we talked about it in um the last book about like Siri and like the the start of what was going on between her and um and Miss Missile. Missile? Is that right? I don't remember. The 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 rat. The, um, yeah. Yeah. And just I mean this book also further explores like all the complicated messy feelings that she has about her womanhood, about like sex and love, yeah. about like attraction, about intercourse, about like all those kinds of things that like she is not, you know, Her introduction to a lot of these themes isn't necessarily the healthiest, but Mm -hmm. it's also like not, I don't know how to put it. Like the way that the book is handling it, it's not like, it's not moralizing ever about any of it. It's just kind of letting her go through this stuff, which is like not ideal in any way, but it's like not going through it and saying, well, this thing is bad and this thing is good and this thing needs Mm -hmm. therapy. It's very just like this thing happened and this person is reacting to this thing happening to them and that's it. And like, I really appreciate the kind of like kind of hands offness of the narrative when it comes to that. It's just kind of letting Siri just kind of like experience the feelings that she is experiencing without the the like narrator then coming into like, because you can tell from a narrator if what they're saying a character is going through or feeling is good or bad a lot of the time. And here, yeah. like it's like when when Siri is like, because I mean Siri is also like kind of telling her own narrative, which helps a little bit. But like, you know, it's Andre Sapkowski ultimately who's telling the narrative. And so there's not this like, this, uh, I feel like a lot of narratives like this will often focus so much on how like a shamed girl feels in order to be like, this was so traumatizing for her and look how ashamed she still feels about it. And it's like, it's not necessarily painted as blaming her, but it's still like, we need to focus on the shame because like she carries the mm-hmm. burden of that shame and we feel so sorry for her. And I like that, like, it's not that there's no shame, but like. Siri like that's not the focus of the narrative it's not for Siri no. to feel shameful about her body or about what has been done with her body or what she might want to do with her body it's like never about shame
0: no I mean there is an element of revenge in different ways but that has more to do with Bonart, who's like you know torturing her and feeding her narcotics So, I mean, we definitely, I I do think there is, there's a shift with how he treats her that she undergoes that makes her different and makes her want to seek revenge in a way that she didn't previously.
1: But even before that, when she's kind of like, you know, experiencing, you know, male attraction to her body and they're like oh it's just natural that I would feel attraction for you because you're so beautiful and she's like well it's also super natural for me to feel disgust with you because you're very unattractive and um but then at the same time she's like but also I'm curious and she's like I am and it's like so it's not this like you know I would never hands off no means no kind of narrative she's like I you're unattractive and you don't like you don't have you're not entitled to touch me but that doesn't also mean that i'm not allowed to want you to touch me and i might be interested and it might be purely like kind of like transactional and exploratory but like that's also allowed (laughs) yeah yeah true um
0: else i have so many notes on this one more than i think i have on other it was so much
1: her you know girlfriend if that's what we the word we want to use um like Mm -hmm. she's also very young and also was like yeah raised you know in kind of like crime and roughness and so then like how she treats siri is like it's not like somebody who's like um you know it's not a um what's his name Uh, Weinstein, you know, like a world-wise knowing person who knows exactly what they're doing and who they're doing it to and, like, this, like, huge power imbalance. Like, she's, like, it's not ideal what she's doing with Siri and there's definitely, like, huge problems with that. But, like, she's not, like, this, like, powerful knowing individual that is knowingly grooming someone either. Like, she also is kind of messed up and working through her own stuff and is attracted to Siri and, like, it's a bunch of, like, messy people who are in a not-ideal situation, kind of don't know the healthiest way to handle their feelings. So I like yeah. that it doesn't truly vilify her either because like she's not like actively trying to like be an abuser or anything. Like abuse right. is happening, but not like uh like you know, just like you know, in a legal setting. Not maliciously. Thing. Yeah, not like in a legal setting, you know, like manslaughter versus like premeditated murder kind of thing. It's like that's not to say that abuse did not occur, but it's not this like intentional, willful, malicious, like, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there was also this piece in in chapter two. There's the the merchant that Siri ends up traveling with, and he goes off on this whole thing about how he thinks that like relationships between women are against nature. And Siri really pushes back on that.
1: Well, again, that's when she's like, "It's uh, it's against nature for me to be attracted to you because you're right. gross."
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. He was definitely a creep. Oh, but the fact that he like died as they were like starting to do something i was like siri needs
1: so much therapy (laughs) oh so much therapy
0: (laughs) (laughs) oof that's rough yeah uh this is not in order oh yeah that was funny okay okay
1: vandalions memoirs uh, Fifty years or half a century of poetry. Fifty years of poetry. When no, but he is is convinced later that half a century does sound better than fifty years. He's like, "You're right. That does sound way better."
0: (laughs) Girls like, "You're
1: not fifty years old." He's like, "But I will. be
0: (laughs) One day I'll be (laughs) fifty. I'm starting now."
1: (laughs) And Rages is like, "I mean, (laughs) valid. Having some foresight. Not not a bad idea." And then we have the aside that like centuries hence his memoirs of 50 half a century of poetry is found and discarded yeah yeah yep of course oh that was that's hilarious i mean dandelion is definitely like here for comedic relief
0: which is needed i feel like with everything that's going on it's definitely useful um uh, what else oh so the other okay, like the big thing that I found really interesting is the shift between Geralt and Siri, where Geralt like loses his his medallion and is like, I'm no longer a witcher. And Ciri is like, I'm a witcher girl, and I'm gonna do what a witcher I think a witcher should do. And so you have this like shift where he's like I don't know, that that seemed kind of interesting that, like, she's trying to step into this well, role and he's... A
1: lot of, like, these books and this book, maybe more so than the others, but throughout, is constantly questions of, like, how people define themselves and whether or not they choose to define themselves according to their nation, according to their title, according to mm-hmm. their birth, according to some fate or destiny. And so then, yeah. like, Geralt is constantly raging against certain forms of that, but he's always been very, like, but I am a witcher. And, like, he's, mm-hmm. like, perfectly fine being defined by his occupation but rejects destiny at all times is like destiny is like not a thing and like right. here we have like Geralt is now like uh, in the previous book we had this whole thing of like neutrality being challenged and Geralt being like just kidding neutrality is not realistic Um and here again Geralt like he's been very happy to reject destiny and be a witcher and here he's like now having to like unpack that
0: yeah yeah, that he's he's like, well, if I don't have, I can't do magic, I don't have this medallion anymore, I'm no longer a witcher, I'm just going to have to figure out who I am then.
1: Yeah, but again, it's the idea of, like, what is it that makes you a witcher? Because, like, right. according to Geralt and his reaction to what's just occurred, it's that he was only a witcher because he had the accoutrements of a witcher, whereas Ciri <clears throat> has none of the accoutrements of a witcher. It's about, like, a mindset. And right. you would think that that was Gerald's position on things because he was always like, here's my code and like, I, you know, what is a monster and here's how I decide that and what I do. And it always mm-hmm. seemed like intrinsic to who he is and how he views himself come to find out that like, if he does not have the uniform, he is no longer the witcher. And like, that's a really different way of viewing like your, um, like your calling or your... um yeah, your your occupation. I guess he his take on it then becomes one that it is an occupation rather than like rather um, than like an identity. A, whereas Siri is treating it as like an identity. Like this is part of who I am. Yeah. 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 And it's also interesting because like for Siri versus Geralt, being a witcher is something that for Geralt is similar to Siri. And being the child of the Elder Blood. Or being Princess Cyrilla Or being the swallow. These are things that she didn't choose for herself. She was born into them. Geralt was born into being a witcher. And right. she's rejecting being a princess. And she's rejecting. She rejected her magic. She rejects like a lot of these things. And is choosing witcherdom for herself. And Geralt is now rejecting the witcherdom that he was born into. And choosing a different path for himself. So but they're he both. Is,
0: yeah. But he is choosing to go after Siri regardless of the consequences which is interesting that he has a moment where he's given
1: because he rejects you know, destiny as a concept right yeah yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. someone's like well what if, what if going after her it's too late and you trying to do something will just hurt more people he's like Geralt, I don't
1: care <laughs> Geralt's reaction to that is like because like we're reading fantasy so I think as fantasy readers, we're primed to take that kind of thing seriously and to be like, right. you've been told a prophecy and you're disregarding it. That's so irresponsible. But then you think of yourself in the, in real life. And if you like had yeah. some fortune teller that says, that like, don't go into work today. I have foreseen terrible things. <laughs> You'll be like, that's stupid. And they're like, but I've just warned you. And you're still going to do it anyway? Like, yes, I'm still going to do it anyway because you're crazy. So like, yep. that's basically how Geralt's like, oh, destiny is not a thing. I'm going to keep going on my quest now. Yeah. He's like, I
0: don't care what you say this is what i'm doing i'm gonna go save my girl which
1: yeah which like if you don't believe in like prophecy and destiny like is the much more rational choice is to be like uh i think it's like you know a good idea to go save somebody i'm not gonna not save them because you were like ooh, prophecy (laughs) yeah
0: i guess in terms of relating this to soviet union era one thing that's interesting is we have this what's what what is his name um have it
1: i forget and, all the names because they're all so i know
0: like... <laughs> i don't even know if i have them right wilbur filberforce or something so he's like the creepy Vilgefort? doc what vilgaforts vilgaforts yeah so he's he's interesting because he is creepy he's doing medical experimentation experiments on fetuses and pregnant women and is kind of like a a um i can't, what's what's the word there's a word for it for like people who try to determine like who should have children and oh eugenics eugenics he's like a, he's kind of a eugenicist and also a medical i mean that's assistant. been a
1: theme throughout the witcher books, right eugenics. yes
0: yeah, yeah yeah no but it's it is i think interesting in terms of thinking about some of the stuff that happened from like world war ii and into the soviet union where that was definitely a part of it is like ideas about eugenics medical experimentation on different people groups and so you have some of that stuff
1: coming well i mean like throughout that era and before and unfortunately after i mean anytime someone is justifying um racism there's like a desire to like base uh, to 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 try to find a scientific basis for it right so that's what a lot of this kind of thing is to try to like Um, Instead of, um, you know, like scientific research should be trying to like prove yourself wrong, but instead they're trying to prove themselves right. They like they've decided on their conclusion. Now they're just trying to find a way to like find evidence to support that conclusion.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, Somebody is saying Joseph Mengele. I'm not familiar with this person, but I'm assuming that he is one of the people who did this. In history. So, yeah. Yeah. I might have also butchered how that name is pronounced, so apologies. Um yeah, and then he has he he's also, I think, taken Jennifer too, right? He's got her trapped and wants to use her in experiments and to get a hold of Siri. He's mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of creeps in, in these books. That's why Geralt, just by comparison, is like by true default, story. he wins. True. That's why all the women story. throw themselves at Geralt, because he's like, he's not a creep, ladies. Let's go. Thank God. <laughs> There's not a lot of options in this world. But to me, the part that like that I was thinking of um being like reading it as um someone writing about basically fantasy soviet union is the like reporting on your neighbor and about whether or not you enforce like the enforcers are really just the thugs because like if this is going to be your system of governance where like gerald has that whole argument with him where he is like basically in your world the way that you want to set this up that's good news for me because there will be non-stop work for a witcher because like this this kind of like uh law and order where like people are you know tortured to give up names and then like they're gonna give up any name and then you're not gonna check it and you're just gonna go after those people and like again the whole like tattling on your neighbors to like the you know the which is what they they encourage in the soviet union um so that's more the part that i was like this is like yeah it's not you don't really see that much in fantasy books is that kind of a conversation about you see like a lot of like you know, evil, you know, kings, and you see, like, armies slaughtering innocents, like, that's a lot of fantasy, it's not so much, like, the politics of, like, the local enforcer, and the, right. like, reporting on your neighbors, I was like, this is about the Soviet Union.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, um, let's see, Oh, we had a comment saying, okay, so the Joseph person, he ran the medical experiments for Hitler, it's Mangala, okay, thank you, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, well, and then we have this, whole, like, the whole aside on Covia being neutral and pro-trade, pro, pro trade, like, was a whole, th- a whole thing, too. Like, we're not going to get involved in war. We're just going to try to make again money. again,
1: feels like it's about, like, Soviet-era European right? politics. Absolutely. And the fact that we went out yeah. of our way to just have that aside, I was like... That's why yep. we're writing about this. Like, yeah, he's yep. got to be in his bonnet about this, understandably. <laughs> but like, that's why this is happening, and that's why he's like, this is not getting cut from the narrative. <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> yep. There was,
0: oh, okay. There was this like random thing. I thought it was kind of entertaining though. There's this whole thing of the king and his wife, and the wife reads a story in a book about giving. A neighbor who wants your dog a cat that you don't like instead and then he uses that to like make political decisions i just thought that whole thing and the whole thing about
1: don't give them a watermelon give them half a watermelon or better yet a quarter of a watermelon because then other people might also give them and then you're like it was yeah it was yeah yeah interesting and then you have somebody from guided by like spiritual doctrine type of things like parable yeah yeah that was
0: interesting. And the sorceresses were still doing their plotting. They're trying to figure out a way to like get Siri married to some prince, I guess.
1: Yep. Siri is um everybody's pawn. You can see yes. why she's like, nah, bruh, I'm gonna be a Witcher girl. Yeah. <laughs> Although she can't um quite remain incognito she's like no that's not true no i know this stuff like that's not who that is and i know for a fact it's not like and they're like yeah no. like, you're trying to hide stop it yeah
0: yeah no oh goodness we learned some new stuff i i mean i guess i kind of you kind of know this if you've seen the witcher show but like we learn in this that the ship with siri's parents didn't actually go down or like that's not when her mom died so we realized like maybe things aren't what they seem and that was that was interesting this whole thing of like the blood of the queens of Sintra is tied to the ocean and when one of them dies there's like these crazy storms
1: it's a good fantasy way to be like we've checked and there was no proof of death
0: (laughs) right yes yep oh yeah there's also the seagull the tower of the seagull. Who's the seagull? What's the sea? I don't know. Because she has to go through the tower of the seagull. So the tower of the swallow. There were a lot of bird towers in this book.
1: I told you. <laughs> um, I've, I'm at my limit for understanding symbols. I think I've done good. <laughs> you've done. You've done great. Yeah. I mean, you if did anybody... just say that like the the Cintrin women have a connection to the sea, and a seagull is by its definition a sea-related bird. So true. Perhaps. True. There is also, again, the limitation of, like, this was written in Polish. And I know, like, I should be better at reading symbols because I'm Latvian. And, like, the amount of nature, like, things that are in Latvian songs and poetry, it's 99.9%, like, birds and trees and stuff is, like, what we're singing about. And the birds are never birds and the trees are never trees. And I'm just, like, I don't – someone explain it to me. So, like, I know that, like, in Latvian, like, if you, like, were talking about an oak tree and you were talking about a linden tree – I would understand that you're talking about a man and a woman, but like if you translated that into English, I wouldn't necessarily make those assumptions anymore. And I'd be like, I right. don't know what an oak tree is supposed to be here. Like he's wearing an oak, oak tree symbol. Like who cares? Whereas so like, I don't know if there's connotations beyond like what we find in the book for like mm-hmm. what a swallow is or what a seagull is. So,
0: well, it makes me wonder if maybe it's supposed to be a representative of her dad. Maybe. Sure that's sure could, be, could make sense because they because the, the whole thing with the boat and like i don't know i but i mean
1: everything to do with her bloodline is very like matriarchal yeah that's true she's the child of the elder blood through her mother not through that is her father. that is her that father is provided like the uh the recessive genes <sighs> that needed the right mixing to like make yep. it be yeah
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, I liked the hermit that kind of takes her in and everything. and
1: Which again reminded me of Besser of Cold when the beginning of Besser of Cold when also like a random man finds her and is like patching her up. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: I thought it was interesting the repetition that you get. Over and over again, the chapters where Siri is with the hermit, you would always have this repetition of this thing of like, of like, if somebody could have seen into the room, they would have seen this, but they couldn't because it was the swamp and nobody knew that they were there. And like, you kind of get that
1: over and over. Which Which I suspect sounds more... um like i think it's meant to be evoking this kind of like um the storiness of it you know yes. which like i think in polish probably works a little bit better than it does in english but like i we still like get the vibe
0: yeah yeah that that was the the sense of it well especially because they're also she's telling a story or he's telling a story and then that's Kind of it's also recreating. kind of
1: um cinematic in the way that, like, yeah. you'll like zoom out to remind everybody that we're like, oh, there's this little cottage in the middle of like a vast nothing, and you see the little right. light in the window, and like you're like, that's where they are, and then we right. go back and zoom into like the the telling and the flashback. So like, it's partly yeah. just like a cinematic thing. Yeah, I liked it, but it is interesting. Which again could be a, a language thing, but that even when Siri is telling her own story, it's told still in third person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it doesn't switch to first person because she's telling her her story.
0: Yep, that's true. Yeah, um, and then like everything that happens, I feel like in chapter eleven was just a lot, a very epic.
1: Which one is is 11? The, the last, end the,
0: the end. Yeah, like the final chapter. Cause
1: yeah, the chapters right. are few and long, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't help with pacing.
0: No, no. But like the chat chapter 11, there was, it was, this is the whole thing of she's searching for the Tower of the Swallow, being chased, that boy from forever ago that liked her, wants to go to war to save her but he can't because he's. they're like stop stuff. it don't
1: you don't get to go out there and
0: help theory <laughs> it's like she's fine leave it alone well she's not fine um, but what are you gonna do about well it? <laughs> yeah it's not your job
1: and then it's like the vibe of like the boy running and someone like holding his collar so just, yeah like, yes trying it's to like run. No.
0: It's like no you're not that's not 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 for you and okay what did i write yen wakes up with rance and Phil before it's did he takes okay uh just dis- i don't know what i was saying here i was clearly typing this like <laughs> somebody was disfigured from siri entering the tower of the seagulls i don't remember what that was somebody was it the doctor
1: guy that was disfigured um i mean she went she continued her rampage I think it might've been that. But I'm um, yeah. speaking of you like, we have this whole thing of like, she is the betrayer, but then we also then switch to her perspective where we see how she became like, how she was put in a position where she could be a betrayer and also how she would be then continued to be known as a betrayer, even though that's not totally true because it it's not in the interest of the lodge to like set the record straight. So screw you Yennefer. And she's like, great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she, yeah, I mean, she's got her own agenda. I do think it's interesting, right? There's this whole thing if he's trying to use her psychic connection to bait Siri, but instead she only gives him Geralt, and he didn't even know she had a close connection to
1: Geralt. But yeah, yeah. But the fact that I mean, like Geralt figures out like how they've been like spied upon. Like he figures that out and is like, "We've been betrayed, and I know how." And yeah. then later she's like, we see how that happens with her and why that happens. And then also her being like, can you like make sure he knows that I wasn't trying to betray him? And they're like, Like, you're cause these, sucks. that's what these two definitely need is more drama and miscommunication. Yeah,
0: Perfect. of course. Of course. That's just, that's how it's going to go. Okay. Speaking of cinematic though the scene where siri is like a wraith on ice skates killing all these people on the lake i was like oh my god
1: yeah she's she's a badass she she is which i do like i mean i do feel like it's pretty earned like i feel like okay i know you like the throne of glass books but so much of why (laughs) i was annoyed when i started reading those books was because like there's con especially like oh i think i only read the first two or something but like it's it's all this oh she's the greatest assassin of all time she's the most amazing assassin she's the most assassiny assassin that ever assassined and you're like i see no evidence of this like she's doing nothing and like when it comes to actually doing something, she's like, "Oh, it was so traumatic to actually shed blood. I'm gonna go cry for a week." And you're like, "I thought you were the most assassin, assassin of all assassins." And so here, like we've watched like little Siri, who's like, "I'm a princess. You can't talk to me like that." Like right. like level up through great trauma and travesty, um, yeah, into like wraith Siri, like taking vet revenge, like with her like scarred face. And you're like, we have watched this journey and this moment is, like, not only earned, but it's satisfying for us because we're, like, revenge isn't something that, like, is healthy. And she gets told that and she's, like, screw you. (laughs) Which is, like, fair enough. Um, Yeah. So it's not that you're, like, she's, like, going around slaughtering people and that's not healthy for her or for them or for society. But at the same time, when you watch that, you're, like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get him!
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, because she's been through so much. You understand it. Yeah, Jessica says that was epic. I love how she cut his fingers off. Yeah, that was... Ooh. it was it, you know what it was it was kill bill it was it was very kill bill yes 100 percent and i'm i'm here for it
1: yeah yeah which is again why to like constantly to always circle back to this in case people have forgotten books can have a male gaze and also be feminist so like True. siri is like with actually the main character of this series and we've seen siri she's a really complex character with a lot of layers and we've seen a really like nuanced handling of, like, her as a child, her growing into womanhood, her understanding what that means for herself from not just a sexual perspective, but also the sexual perspective. And, like, to this point where she's, like, taking revenge because she has been mistreated. And, like, there's just, like, so much to her journey and to her character that I think, not to say that it was done done perfectly or without any, like, kind of, like, sexist tendencies in some of, like, the, again, the kind of gaze of of the story, but, like, I don't know how you make it this far in the series and not find something feminist in it.
0: I, I would tend to agree with you. I think this is the thing though, is I think sometimes people can get a little bit caught up in, well, this character did this sexist thing. Therefore the book is sexist. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like both of those things can exist together. And I think they do here. Um, yeah. And I, in some ways I, I, wonder if this makes it more effective at least for a larger audience because it is i mean i i like a good preachy feminist book but also not everybody does
1: and well i mean it legitimately is kill bill and kill bill no one is like walking around saying like oh this is a feminist like soapboxy women's movie right but it also is like all women all the time basically except for bill (laughs) and like Yeah. yeah yeah Oh, and we get, it, we get
0: uh, unicorns, which is also exciting.
1: This book is basically Lisa Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Birds and unicorns and With rainbows. A lot more
0: blood, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: But also, yeah. we get um, Siri's double. And like when she and Geralt right. like connect, and Geralt's legitimately like she looks so much like Siri that he thinks it is Siri until like he does a double take. And then he's like, I don't know how I could have mistaken her for Siri, but he definitely did. And then like, there's that moment. I mean, there's a lot with her character that's interesting. And they're like how he's like clearly latching onto her as like a surrogate Siri, which is like her entire role at all times is to be a surrogate Siri for political reasons, for emotional reasons, for Geralt. Like that's what she's doing. And then there's that moment where because of it's, it's so telling. I mean, it's not that we didn't know this about her background. We did already know this, but it's so telling when she tells Geralt, I know how to express gratitude. And Geralt is horrified, and it doesn't know how to express that healthily either. He's not like, "Oh, you've been through some unhealthy situations. We should talk about why that's not appropriate." He's like, "No, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, uh, he's like horrified," and she's like, "Are you really don't like you really not into it?" And he's like, "Just cannot function at the suggestion of that because one, yeah, I think you generally be horrified by that no matter what." But two, in his mind, she's surrogate Siri. So it's like Siri right. offering that to him. And he's just like not capable of expressing why this well, is. Well, yeah, and because
0: she's like his daughter. Yeah. Essentially. And it and he's not a creep. <laughs> yeah.
1: So like I just it was so telling for like her yeah. story and for yeah. his story and for how they're thinking of each other in that moment. Because yeah. also when she says that, like it's it's so like heartbreaking because like she doesn't see anything like wrong with that, and she sincerely wishes to express gratitude for him, like saving her, basically. And but this is the <sighs> only way that she's like ever like been taught or been learned in her life experience. Which told is her that, like, so tragic. This is what you do, and so yeah. they're like. He, she's sincerely like, I want to express gratitude, and I will like gladly do so for you right. and Geralt is like horrified by that because like he thinks of her as a human being and he didn't save her for that reason but he doesn't know how to express that in a caring way he only knows how to be horrified and reject her and she's like you're rejecting me and it's like this like such a layered moment with like so much complexity for both of their characters and for the whole situation and it's like so brief but like just that yeah. like that scene alone has so much nuance that like, you know, well done Andrew yeah. yeah,
0: yeah no, I think there is he, he does a good job with a lot of little scenes here that are saying things and doing a lot for character development so I think it's, it's impressive
1: so I can do that, I can't tell you what a, a seagull is <laughs> 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 Matt says at the end of the day, I think we're all just looking for a surrogate series
0: <laughs> I
1: do love Siri. I do too. I think she's great. I'm but sad love- that we don't see it. like after she's little and after she gets she blah, 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 she gets trained up in Kaer Morhen, Geralt and Siri don't get to be like in each other's company very much in the series, which is like some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, and that's I'm very sad. I mean, I get narratively why they're not, but if they're supposed to be destined, I mean, can they be destined in the same room, please? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice.
0: But yeah, no, apparently not. So yeah, I, like, uh, also Siri gets a major power up at the end of this book. So we're kind of left with her. Well, she hit three... like her
1: lowest low. And so now right. she's like.
0: Right. And now she's like, has power over time. And I guess went through a portal to a place with Spring where she's with unicorns. And then some elf shows up. I mean, at the you've end seen the cover like, of Lady of the
1: League. It's such a good cover it's my least favorite but really is it because it's purple it's it's very much because it's purple but it's also because it's got like this kind of like rocker modern look to it to the art whereas like this is like a castle and horses and everything has been like castles and horses and then she looks like she could be like in a modern day like punk rock girls band and like it's just like very different aesthetically like it doesn't go with like the other covers I
0: guess I like it though because she looks cool and has a unicorn with her
1: it's an extremely purple
0: it is very purple I like purple so I don't mind that but that's that it, that's funny but then there's the elf who's the elf the elf shows up and is like what took you so long and indeed. we don't know who we don't know who the elf is or I don't know who the elf indeed. is
1: indeed I guess, I guess we'll find you'll out. have to read and find out
0: I guess I will <laughs> let's see from pits Pit fighter to portal princess, not too shabby. True story. That is her her arc in this uh, this book.
1: I'm not sure that's exactly and how I would what? summarize her whole arc, but <laughs> it's missing a lot I mean, of it them.
0: Is, it is missing a lot, but sh- that's where she sort of starts and gets, I guess. Portal princess. That's funny. Um. Yeah. Anything else on this?
1: Um. No, yes. And I guess um, I would like to know your predictions. Where Where are we going? The next book is the last book. it oh. needs to get up in the next book. That's why oh, it is right. the longest of
0: all of them. Oh, okay. Wait, so is the one out the one, because we're taking a break and then is it a prequel? Is the other one a prequel? I believe
1: timeline wise, it takes place after The Last Wish, but before the main series. I'm not exactly sure timeline. wise. Okay. I know it doesn't take place after the main series. Definitely not okay. that. Yeah. But I'm not sure exactly where before the end of the series, like where it takes place. Exactly. I'm not sure.
0: Okay. So this is like it. Oh, wow. Whew. I don't, I don't know. Um, What do I think? I mean, series is going to change things. Clearly. I don't know. She's going to join what... a rock band.
1: Yeah. A oh. unicorn
0: rock yeah. band. The purple unicorns.
1: Maybe it'll be called. I was gonna say be called Iron Unicorn. <laughs> Iron Unicorn. That would be a pretty badass
0: band name. It would. It was, someone should take that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think she's gonna change things, but I also suspect that she's not gonna do what people expect from her.
1: At this point, when you say what people expect from her, there are so many different people expecting so many different things from her. So, like, which expectations will she be shattering? (laughs) Like,
0: any prophesied expectations, I feel like, or
1: what people assume. I don't know. There's also the, con, like, many fantasy books, I would argue most fantasy books, that use prophecy in any way. It's usually in a way that's like, oh, the prophecy didn't mean what you thought it would mean. But it could mean something else. Where like, it'll come true, but not in the way that you would have expected. Yes. I'm not saying that's what happens. I'm just saying that like prophecy books usually do stuff like that. So like when you say that if if someone, something can be breaking your expectations, even if technically you were told this to expect this thing, but it was, you know, done in a way where you're like, you did tell me, but that's not what I thought you meant. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think she's
0: going to be in some way instrumental in, like, making space for elves. But I don't know if that will be in that world or in a different world or how. I don't I don't know. I don't really know what to expect.
1: Well, there's also, like, throughout the books, we've constantly heard about, like, climate change, race relations. Yes. Right. The Soviet, excuse me, Nilfgaard <laughs> taking over. <laughs> Um, the child of the elder blood. Like, there's like so many like thematic threads. And everybody, every time they have an encounter with somebody like magical prophecy-e wise person, they're always talking about like the changing of the world and the changing of the seasons and the changing of the weather and the changing of the times and the changing yeah. of the peoples, and like yeah. I mean, I feel like it could
0: be the takedown of Nilfgard, which would be interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, and then like f- sort of like small free states
1: scattered fantasy UN
0: the fantasy UN yeah
1: so your prediction is that Ciri will become the queen of the fantasy UN
0: I don't know that I would say she would be the queen of it but I think that she would be instrumental in taking down Nilfgaard
1: well we had a prophecy and... in this book that Geralt did reject but the prophecy was that like he would regain Siri only to immediately lose her. So, one, do you think that that's going to be true at all? And two, if so, how? Possibly, it could be that she gets married. But then him reclaiming, like, is it losing her if she? That's that's the idea that like a woman is given away by the father to the well... husband, like, that he's losing her. It's very like she's chattel to be traded. Well, but, like, if it's done
0: in the right way, it could be using that to, like, make commentary on the problem with... I don't know. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Siri doesn't feel like um, a blushing bride, but... No. But she might
0: marry somebody for political reasons.
1: That's what they... More often than not, princesses do. Yeah. Although her mom certainly broke the rules with Denny. Duny, Dooney? How do they say Duny. it? Dooney. Yeah. That guy. Hedgehog man.
0: Yeah. I would love to see Geralt and Yen have a happily ever after, but I feel like it's probably not going to happen.
1: <laughs> Those two crazy kids. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a lilac and gooseberry scented honeymoon. Indeed. Indeed. I don't think we got a single mention of lilac and gooseberry in this book, so five stars. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yen was in too much trouble. She didn't have time for her perfume this time.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, we'll.
1: we'll uh... You could use diamonds are a girl's best friend for this <laughs> book, though. <laughs>
0: too well she has this kind of interesting thing right where with this goddess that she doesn't even believe in who ends up deciding to help her anyway right there, which I is don't like know. very
1: like, much yeah. like paralleling constantly with Geralt's thing of like I reject destiny I reject prophecy right. and all these druids and elves are always like you have a great destiny let yeah. us set you on your way for your destiny is like screw yeah. destiny <laughs> <laughs> I want nothing to do with it so like Jennifer yeah. and Geralt are constantly being like, screw everybody, we're not doing your thing. <laughs> like they're basically yeah. the hot topic kids who are like, No, we're not part of your system. And everyone's like, You're a part of the system. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I feel like it works because they're sort of raising Siri, who also doesn't want to be part of the system. So. I mean,
1: Siri's been raised by a huge village. Because like That's also Triss Marigold, also all of the Witchers in Morhen, a little yep. bit of Dandelion, like there's so many and then she did she was raised obviously in part by her grandma um yeah there's so many people have had a hand with with siri it is it's true
0: ultimately though i think she's gonna decide who she wants to be for herself she yeah
1: uh, she has been yeah she's she's always been quite assertive even from a young yes. age
0: which i like i like she, her we like that yeah yep okay Well, we will be back to conclude the main series, I guess. Series, series about it. (laughs) It really is is her series. It is. Well, and she's a witcher girl, so is she the witcher?
1: I mean, I don't think it was intended that way, but I mean, arguably. I think it, it fits. It's a misdirect. You thought the Witcher yes. series was about Geralt? I didn't say that. I just said the Witcher. I
0: just said the Witcher. Witch Witcher.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So we are going to move into On My Radar, where we'll share recent and upcoming book releases we're excited about. But first, if you enjoyed the podcast, we would appreciate if you take a moment to rate and review us so we can reach more listeners, or leave us a comment down below if you're watching us on YouTube. And of course, if you're interested in getting exclusive bonus content with every episode, consider supporting us on Patreon or channel memberships and toss a coin to your podcasters. Huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons, including our World Expander patron Stephanie, you all make what we do possible. We appreciate you. You. And uh as a reminder, this week's bonus content is going to be talking portal fantasy. So that should be fun. Um do you have any? I, books? Do. I thought so. Okay. You Good. thought so? Well, yeah, because one on my <laughs> list I figured would be on your list. So
1: Well, I already talked about Lightbringer last time, so not. Okay. That. All right. All right then. But House of Roots and Ruin came out today. Yes. And it's a sequel to House of Salt and Sorrows, which was a surprise hit with me when it came out. And then like, I really enjoyed the book she wrote after that, which was not related to it at all. Yeah. Um. I think she's really, really good with like vibes and atmosphere. So House of Salt and Sorrows, for people who don't know, is a retelling of a, I don't think ever retold fairy tale, The Twelve Dancing Princesses. Like I frankly have literally never seen anyone retell that. So it's a retelling of Twelve Dancing Princesses, but it's like... um. A very kind of like moody, gothic, seaside thriller kind of vibe. And uh, the vibes were so immaculate. Um, Very spooky. So House of Roots and Ruin is a sequel. And I believe it follows another of the sisters. I'm not totally sure. But I'm sure it will have immaculate vibes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've really liked both of the books that she's written so far as well. So yeah, that that looks exciting. Um, I have just a couple of other ones So one is The Center by Aisha Manazir Siddiqui, which is, I don't don't know, kind of like a literary horror thriller sort of thing. And it's a book that I kind of recommend for people who like the themes of Babel but want something that does it better with more nuance and better character (laughs) work.
1: quiet part out loud
0: you know (laughs) um it's it's pretty interesting it's about a woman who's i think actually also like in her 30s um who is trying to like find herself is living off of the wealth of her south asian parents in but living in london and she dates this white guy who goes to this mysterious center where supposedly you can become fluent in a language in just 10 days with this like secretive process. And so she decides to go and try to learn German so she can do a great work of translation and stuff. But like, what is the process and what is the cost? And it's, it's creepy and weird, but it sounds a lot like
1: uh, *Vita Nostra. Have you read *Vita Nostra?
0: I had trouble with that one, but yeah, this is, I I don't. It's not as fever dreamy as Vita Nostra, Um, but I think it's really good, and I think it's tackling some similar themes to Babel, but is just a lot better. So,
1: I would say it's not hard to be better. But well, I think I think this is good,
0: and it's a debut. It's it's a really good debut. Anyway. Um, and then the other one is Silver Nitrate by Sylvia moreno Garcia, who I always love. This is a return to horror for her. It's mostly set in the 90s, but it's about um like in Mexico City, but it's about like cult classic films, cursed films, and Nazi occultism. And it's great. It's definitely slow burn, character-driven, but but horror. And I always like her. I think she does a good job. So yeah. So if you're interested, go check those out. And uh, I will be back. Next episode is August 15th. Me and Izzy are going to be talking about Cassiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey and the brand new book, Cassiel's Servant, that's just about to come out, which is... Basically, Cushiel's Dart told from the perspective of Jocelyn, who's one of the main characters, and so that should, I think, be a very interesting conversation. I am—I um, just finished reading Cushiel's Dart for the first time, and I'm—I'm I'm in process with Cassiel's servants. So we'll be back to discuss, and then me and Leanna will back at the end of August for uh, the next Witcher book. So again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany and Liana. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast. And you can follow us on our individual YouTube channels. This episode's bonus content will be available to patrons and channel members in the next few days. Thanks for listening.